Scott came to me uh, a couple of months ago, and it's been such a pleasure to get to know Scott. I know many of you have met uh, Scott uh, throughout the you know the time that they've been here for the past few months, and it's been such a pleasure to get to know him and his story. And uh, he approached me a couple of months ago and was like, you know, I want to be able to to tell my story and 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 talk. And I was like, all right, this would be this would be perfect. And just even the little bit of that I know of it, it's a phenomenal story. So it's been such a pleasure uh, to get to know Scott and Christine over the course of the last few months. Uh, Scott has been a uh, a teacher, a preacher, a uh, missionary, uh, every role in uh, church life that you probably imagine, like this guy has like done it, he's done it on the streets, he's done it in LA, he's been, done it in Paris. Uh, you will hear his story, I'm sure, but it's such a pleasure to, to have uh, Scott speak for us today. And without further ado, please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Scott Mocha. Hi, everyone. Um, see how much room I've got to walk here. I may have to get rid of this thing because I, uh, I move. Um, for, okay, th this is me. It wasn't Ryan, but it is me. Um, I, th I thought it was important as I got up here to maybe talk about, about who I am. I mean, what, what brought me here, what kind of makes everything work in my life. I, I felt it was important, considering we haven't been here that long, for you to maybe know a little bit more about me. Um, so I, I figured I'd give you my whole life story in just a couple of minutes. Um, and Not really, but, but this is me. This is me on my dad's shoulders. And I, If you've seen these two fiery kids running around there in the back room right now, maybe during a prayer, a quiet moment, you've heard a scream. Those are my kids, and I think you can see them both in me at about that age. I think I was about seven years old there. Um, and my dad's no longer with us, but man, I love that picture. But who I am, uh, it comes from a lot of different places. Uh, the other thing that most of you don't know is that uh, I've recently lost about 90 pounds. So um, that was me in January of this year. And, and, and it's funny, like talking to Ryan, Ryan had never seen a picture of me as a heavy person. And, and it's interesting because I still see myself as the same guy. I mean, it's, I, I feel the same, but I'm, I'm 90 pounds lighter. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big change. It means you're kind of going through a paradigm shift in life. Um, it's, it's fun. My wife and I have been going through this together, and, and it's been a journey. Let's put it that way. But uh, so far, it's been wonderful, except for the fact that none of my clothes fit, so we've had to go buy some new clothes, which is fun. But uh, my, my, my career of choice is, is virtual reality. Um, I don't know if you know much about virtual reality. We work a lot with really cool hardware, and, and it's fun uh, to get to build content and to build pipelines for that. And I won't get into that too much, but it just tells you who I am. And there's my beautiful son, Jackson, wearing one of the latest and greatest VR devices. Um, it, it, you've never lived life till you can see virtual reality through the eyes of a three-year-old. He's like, whoa! Ah! And he's like trying to touch everything. It's like, no, you can't touch it, but that's cool. Now, I, I personally like to claim that I'm an artist. Uh, I paint. Um, so these are some of my paintings. Um, and it's interesting to me, and I only put these up here because I, I think it, it speaks a lot to what God has done in my journey. Um, these are each paintings that have 
spoken to me at different times, and, it, and it's funny because these are from a long time ago, eh, you know, seven, eight years ago. I actually painted this one live on stage during a, uh, during a sermon at, a, at another church. And uh, these are all ways that God has spoken through me and, and kind of helped me discover who I am. Well, recently for my wife's birthday, uh, and I don't have a picture of this, um, I, I told her that I was going to start painting again. I hadn't painted since we met. And uh, so she got really excited. And I'd always painted these really abstract, crazy things. So I went in to try to start painting that. And what I found was that's, that's not where I am anymore. And, and it's interesting to see that now God is doing something new, something new in me. And, he, and he's trying to create this new thing where, where reality is actually what's important to me. So we recently had uh, Cole, our youngest son. This is when we announced it to the world. You can see how young Jackson was there, and, uh, and that's us now. And I got to tell you, man, if I stopped here, this, this would be a good sermon, because that alone tells you something about what God has done. I mean, what God has done in my life is, is, is immeasurable when you look at this. And I think it's important, and I wanted to point it out to each of you that you could see this is where I am today, but I haven't been here always. In fact, this is an important week in my life. Um, this is kind of like my Easter, you know, um, and I'm not trying to say I'm anything like Jesus, but, <laughs> but, I mean, isn't that a great, so yeah, but I am. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, on October 31st of 2004 was, was a poignant time for me. I was a a nightclub DJ, and I, I don't have any pictures of, of that time. Um, somebody recently showed me one, which is really interesting. But uh, I've worked at a number of nightclubs. I worked for a number of record labels. I was a music producer, a remixer. Um, dance music was my life. It was everything that I had. Um, I also did what most people in that industry, or a lot of people do. I, I had a lot of drugs in my life, and, and I had an overdose on Halloween night, 2004. I was, I was strung out on uh, methamphetamine, ecstasy, cocaine. I mean, I had done it all. I was a, it was the fifth day of a five-day bender. And I don't know if you guys know anybody in your lives that has had wrestled with drugs, but this was, this was the end for me. Now, it's funny because I, you know, I came to that moment. I, I, I literally sat at my computer, and I, I remember the moment very clearly that the world started to break. The visual world what I was seeing in, through my eyes, like, tore. And the next thing I, I knew, I woke up, and I was in the middle of my living room floor, and I literally was covered in blood. I'd bitten the end of my tongue off, and, and I had cut myself up with a knife because I thought there were things under my skin. Now, that is a messed up person. And that was me. That was 100% me. I remember... I remember these feelings very vividly, and, it, and it's interesting to try to tell this story, to get back into that space. I mean, this was 14 years ago, and, it, and when I go back there, it's, it's painful. Um, but it's interesting, like this, this song that we sang tonight, or today, uh, Love Came Down, uh, God, man, it couldn't be more true. Because it, it took me a few days, but somebody took me to a church on, on November 6th, two days from now. And, and at that church, I made a commitment to follow Jesus for 30 days. I wasn't into this give Christ your life thing. I didn't really believe in him. I didn't. But all of that is, it's important, yes. And I, and I do believe in salvation prayers. But I, 14 years later, don't think that was actually my salvation prayer. 
So I'm going to back up just a little bit. I'm going to give you guys kind of the behind-the-scenes story that I don't give most people because I've got 14 years of, of perspective that I, I, I never had before. And I, and I look back on this time, and, and the reality of it is, yes, I overdosed on October 31st of 2004. I went to a church on November 6th of 2004, and I, made a, a, I, I prayed at that church that Jesus would change me, that I, whatever it meant to be a Christian, I would try it. So that's, that is textbook, perfect church story. Now, what really happened? October 18th of 2004. So this is 13 days before Halloween. I remember the date specifically because it was my girlfriend at the time. I don't, I don't even know her anymore, so it's not my wife. Don't look at it. But it, it was her birthday. We were at her house, and we were high on uh, ecstasy and methamphetamine. Now, this was a, a common combination in my life. I, I don't have a lot of cable here, so I have to keep backing up. Um, the two things together, for some reason, they just worked for me. I, I, I worked in the nightclub industry, which meant I worked numbers, uh, like several days in a row uh, till 3, 4 in the morning. And then we'd go out and party afterwards and usually do a lot of drugs. So in, in this instance, we were at her house, and, and it was an interesting instance because I knew I was killing myself. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that place. I hope you haven't. But if you have, it's a, it's a stark understanding to know that you're actually killing yourself. You're making a decision every day to kill yourself. Every time I was doing drugs, I knew that it was getting worse. I, I try to talk about this time in, in terms of I was reaching for mediocrity. I was Seriously, had no idea what normal even meant anymore. You know, uh, we talk about hope in the church. I had zero, man. I had nothing. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And my girlfriend at the time, she got up and she left the room. And we were sitting there. I was sitting there in her living room. And I just, I was like, man, I don't know what to do. Now, I, I looked over at, at the bookcase. Granted, I was stoned out of my gourd. And, and excuse my language there, but I, it, it gets worse. I, t I walked over to the bookcase, and I see this Bible, a King James Version of the Bible. And, and I had some understanding of a Bible from when I was a kid. N not much. I mean, I, I knew there was a New Testament and Old Testament, some of the basics. So I, I did what any good person who's lost does. I opened the Bible and dropped my finger down, right? <laughs> you know, isn't that what people do? I've heard that's called the Kerplunk Method. Well, my finger kerplunked on uh, Malachi 3.7. Now, out of context, I read one line, and it, it said, return to me, and I'll return to you. Whoa. Now, this is the kind of stuff that movies are made of, right? I mean, this is like a moment. Return to me, and I'll return to you. And I remember I slammed the book shut, and, and you'll have to forgive me, because this is really what I said. I said, God, if, if you want this shit, and I'm talking about my life, and excuse my language, if you want this... You can have it. Now, looking back on it 14 years later, I think that, that's a salvation prayer. <laughs> that's as honest, as raw, and as lost as a man can be. You want this? You want what I've become? You can have it because I'm done. So I sat there for a moment and thought to myself, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it I don't even know. I don't even know how I could maybe perceive some sort of help. What does that look like? 
So I went back to the Bible one more time, and this is actually the part of the story I, I don't think I've ever told anyone until I told Ryan the other day. And it's, and it's not that I've hidden it. It's, it's interesting as 14 years go by and you tell the story. I, I've told it a lot. Different parts are revealed to you at different times. I mean, yes, it's my memory, and it all happened. But it's interesting that God reveals it to me in different ways every year. And what I remember this time was that second look. That second look at the Bible, October 18th. I opened it up, and it was Luke 7, I believe. It says, the kingdom of God is inside of you. Now, that, that didn't mean as much to me then as it means now. I mean, what is that? You know, I, I remember, I actually, I turned to my girlfriend who had come out of the bathroom at that point. And I was like, what the hell does this mean? Kingdom of God is inside of me. How can the kingdom of God be inside of me? I'm, you know, look at me. I'm as messed up as a messed up dude can be. I, there's no way the kingdom of God is in me. Now, I don't remember how she replied. I don't even think it really matters. What matters is that it took me 13 more days to truly get to my end. So if, if you think that my true salvation prayer was, was on October 18th, and then I had an overdose on October 31st, you might think that God didn't have his hand on me that whole time. I mean, that God didn't let this thing happen to me that happened over 13 days that culminated in the absolute loss of everything I had almost my life. But I believe now that that was the plan. I'm a hard-headed man. I mean, I just am. I always have been. My three-year-old son is exactly the same way. It takes a lot for me to give in. I think God knows that. So God let it happen. He let me do whatever I needed to do to get to that place where I actually surrendered. October 31st. I, I surrendered in, in a way that that looking back on it now, you know, I, I really didn't believe it. And, it, and it's interesting because I, I've been in a lot of churches. I've, I've worked at a lot of churches. I've talked to a lot of people in different countries. And, and it's always interesting to me to hear people talk about this idea of a salvation prayer. They often talk about, you know, if you just would say these magic words and then believe, then Jesus will change you. And I'm, I'm usually like, no. You don't have to believe anything. You don't even have to say anything. All you got to do is turn. <laughs> just turn towards him just a little bit, and he will make up that difference, oh, my God, like you've never seen. It, God doesn't require us to believe. He doesn't require us to do much other than to love him. And even that, I think, is debatable. He just asks us to be honest. So in, in that moment, when I'm trying to decide, you know, there's this, I was, it was a, uh, a non-denominational church, a very charismatic church. The pastor up at the front of the, uh, the, the congregation was giving a very um, charismatic sermon. And I remember the, the music that was playing, it was this song, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, you guys maybe remember it by uh, Mercy Me. Now, I'd never heard this song, and, and, and the congregation is singing it, and they're putting their hands up, and I'm like, oh, my God, these people are nuts. 
And um, there's a line in this song, you know, what would I do if I, if I was before you, Jesus? Would I dance? And I'm like, oh, my, they're singing about dancing. This isn't Footloose. Okay, this could be cool. You know, maybe dancing is all right. Dancing was my life at that point. So it's, it's, it's interesting that there's this negotiation that's happening inside of my mind. And then as I hear this sermon, I hear over and over and over again that God's not mad at you. He loves you. Now, years later, I... I Actually, I was ordained in the same church, and I had a lot of time in that church, so I actually went back and listened to the tapes of that day, that Saturday night. It was tape, cassette tape. I went back and listened to it, and it was like, oh, man, how did I get God's not mad at you, he loves you, out of what was said? Because it's like two different sermons. But I heard what I needed to hear. And the altar call that came, for me, it was about... It was about taking a chance. So we all, you know, bowed our heads and closed our eyes and, and took a chance to, to pray. And the pastor, he's saying, you know, if, if you're here today and you're hurting, I just, please raise your hand. I want to pray with you. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, literally, with my head down, my eyes closed, I'm thinking, there's no way I'm putting my hand up. <laughs> he's going to, you know, he's going to embarrass me. He's going to bring me to the front, something like that. And then this guy in the front of the church says, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to. Oh, my gosh. What is he, you know, listening to my thoughts? And then, you know, in just a split second, I thought to myself, you know, I've tried everything else. I've, I've tried it. I've tried living life this starkly different way, and I've, I know where it goes. I, I've never really tried faith. I've never really tried Christianity. So I'm not into this giving my life to Jesus thing, but maybe if I gave this 30 days, I mean, maybe it's a win-win. If, it's all, if it all turned out to be BS and, you know, this religion thing is not true, then maybe I'll live for 30 more days. That's not a bad deal. But what if it was real? What if something really could change in my life? So I, so I raised my hand. I said the prayer, and as soon as I finished praying this prayer, I was met with, complete disappointment because nothing changed. I didn't feel any different. I didn't feel healed. I didn't feel anything. The, the, the end of the service came and the pastor invited everybody, especially the people that had prayed, because boy, we got to get a documentation of the people that got saved in our church today. Please come back. I'd like to meet you. Well, now, I had gone into this church and I, uh, I was a different person at the time. I had a leather jacket on, some biker boots, earrings, probably wearing sunglasses. I had cuts on my face. Remember, I had just gone through this massive thing, so I had scabs all over me. I couldn't talk very well because of my tongue. So I went back to meet this pastor. And, you know, it's funny. He's, like, walking around meeting people. And he gets to me, and I said, I said your damn prayer. And he goes, wow. I said, I don't feel any different. He's like, man, God's working on you. This is just the beginning. This is the first step in a journey that's going to take the rest of your life. He said, just keep coming back. So, so I did. I came back every Thursday and Saturday night. And eventually found myself ordained in that church and sent as a missionary from that church. And starting churches all over the world. Well, Europe. And here. But anyway, my, my point is not about that. It's... It's, it's interesting to hear what happened. It's interesting to look at this picture that's on the screen and to think that guy, 
that guy didn't even know what normal felt like. I mean, I couldn't have dreamt of the life that I've been given today. You know, I, I work in a, a career that I enjoy. I have kids that steal my heart every single day. I have a beautiful wife who shows me what love means in new ways all the time. I've never been known to the level that I'm known by her. I've never experienced love like I feel for my kids. I could have never done any of that had it not been for this fateful moment when I gave in and I surrendered. So I, I want to just be conscious of the fact that today is the first day of daylight savings time, and I know you guys haven't eaten lunch. This is probably when you normally would be eating. So I, I, with that, I'm trying to be somewhat brief, but I also want to be very honest. To, to get up here and to tell this story, is, it's, it's important to me because this is the story that defines me. Ryan talked the other day about he was defined for a long time about being a, uh, a singer-songwriter. And, and, you know, we have these things that bind us and that these, these identities that control who we are throughout our lives. And that was me. I was a DJ, man. I was, I was a dance music producer. I was all of these things that I was proud of. Until, until I got saved. And then I just didn't know what I was anymore. And so I started reading the Bible and I became a new creature, a new creation. And I became known around the church as the guy who would tell you how many days old I was. I mean, I, I ran with it. And here today, 14 years later, I got to tell you, there is, God, there's no better ride. And I just thank God every day. With that, and I, I will close, I, but I want to say one thing. Um, it was a big deal when we found this church. Uh, and, it's, and it's a big deal because I've been to a lot of churches. I've been a part of a lot of churches. I've worked for a lot of churches. I know, I know church, man. Um, but I believe in church. I... You know, you, you heard me talk about my story. It starts with going into a church. That's why church is so important to me. And, and then with everything that's happened in our political climate, with everything that's happened in the world, with my own past, I was a DJ at a number of very prominent gay bars, and I knew a lot of very great gay people. How, I, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't get it in my head that those people were any different than me. So I kind of put that aside for 13 years of Christianity and at some point said I can't do this anymore I'm lying to myself and I'm not being real one of the commitments I made in that short second that time when I said I'm going to give 30 days to Christ is I said I'm going to be authentic you know if if I feel the spirit telling me to speak in tongues you better believe I will speak in tongues but if I don't I'm not which believe it or not was a pretty popular opinion or pretty popular position. But this was a, a moment in my life when I realized I wasn't being honest. I wasn't being real. And so I reached out to this pastor that we had seen on TV. And this guy's name was Doug Paget. Ironically, he was the one that was here on October 31st, Halloween night. I reached out to him and I 
gave a very brief synopsis. This is who I am. I am an ex-ministry burnout. <laughs> That's exactly how I describe myself. I said, I'm tired of the public face of Christianity. I don't believe in any of that stuff anymore, but my faith is intact. Where do I go? And this guy, he's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He says, if I was to go anywhere in L.A., it would be Mission Hills. And it just so happened I live over the hill. I live in Stevenson Ranch. <laughs> so we came here. And, and I got to tell you, this is where I belong. I, I love what has been done here prior to us being here. And we've worked really hard to, to come alongside, but also to learn. Because we come from a different kind of mentality. And honestly, I've been lying about my political affiliations and my love of gay people for a long time. I need to be honest again. Thank you for giving me a place to do that. So today, two days away from my 14-year anniversary, I asked Ryan if I could tell you this story. Partly because it's important to tell the story. It's important to tell the story of what God has done in your life because it keeps it alive for you, but it also keeps it, keeps it from being a selfish act. Every time I tell that story, it affects different people in different ways. And it, it's interesting to me that it constantly reminds me that God didn't save me just for me. God saved me so that he could save someone else, so that he could talk to someone else, so that maybe someone could hear this story or a different story or maybe shake a hand or hear a song or who knows. That's why God saved me and that's why God saved each of you. And if you're here and you're not in that place, maybe you don't yet believe in God or, or don't know that you ever would, I get it, man. Glad you're here. Hang on, because it's going to be a fun ride. Would you guys pray with me? Father God, um, just so thankful. So thankful for the last 14 years, but also so thankful for this, this space where so many of us get to come and be honest. Not just about what we believe, but who we are. And we get to feel your, your, your embrace, your love, your nurturing, the way that you always intended it. And uh, Father, that is, that's what this is about. I, I just ask, Father, that you... Um, that you continue to move in, in, in my life, my family's life, of course, but also all of the lives that are here of the people of this congregation, the people who haven't yet joined this congregation that are coming, and the people that maybe have left at one point or another. Father, what you're doing here is a new thing. This is a new creation. You know, in Ecclesiastes, it says there's nothing new under the sun. I, I got to tell you, I think this is new. So, Father... I thank you for Mission Hills. I thank you for each of the people here that have introduced themselves to me from day one. I thank you for the people that wished my wife happy birthday after her birthday. You know, that hasn't happened at any other church we've been at. I thank you for the friends that we've made. I thank you for the lives that are being touched by each and every one of you people that are out here. I thank you for the, the pinata idea. Because of that, my son got to create something that went into the field and blessed someone. That is church. And Father, I just 
thank you for being you. Thanks for coming down, for rescuing me. Thanks for giving me a story to tell and a Savior to worship. And we give it all to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.